0: Welcome to Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Freiman. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. A lot of uh, interesting things that I cannot wait to talk about when it comes to the local squads. I, I wish we would, would film at like Friday night because after we got done, um, you know, posting and uploading Friday, everything hit the fan. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, th- this is really weird to say, but here we are, uh Christmas Eve, which by the way, happy Christmas Eve and happy Christmas tomorrow to everybody. Uh, happy holidays. Um but uh, I'm about to lead off with none other than
1: the Reds. Yes, the Reds on Friday shook, shooketh. The whole baseball world
0: as we know it, a blockbuster trade happened with this organization and another very highly soughted, uh, you know, very talented, um, well-managed Dodgers, L.A. Dodgers team. And it just it's one of those things that you would love to see the Bengals do, but they'll never do. And this is why that we have a little bit more faith and tolerance with the Reds because they will do something like this to try and better this organization and really improve things that needed to be improved on. Um, so come uh, Friday night, there was essentially a seven-player swap. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds uh, Reds were able to get Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig who I've, I've always very much loved and admired, Alex Wood, great starting pitcher, and Kyle, uh, Kyle Farmer, and $700 million in cash uh, to Cincinnati. Uh, in return, the L.A. Dodgers were able to take Homer Bailey, who they ended up uh, waiving, uh, even though it cost them $25 million to pay him out. It was better to do that rather than hit luxury tax with Matt Kemp and Yasiel. Um, and then uh,
1: a few prospects, Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray. Um, really, the the push for
0: this by the Dodgers is to clear up financially. To The reason why they didn't want to get into that tax bracket and the luxury tax is because they want to be able to secure Bryce Harper, um, hopefully, in this offseason everybody in the entire baseball league uh if they have cap space is wanting bryce harper he's obviously one of those top tier talents him mike trout are uh two of the best players in the league and so uh this is a smart move by the la Dodgers, who have been a very good team i mean they just got to the world series and um just came up short against the red Sox, and it's um you know, it's this this just stuff is just so mind-boggling. Um, the thing that has me laughing the most is the fact of um, how uh, <laughs> the Homer Simpson uh, meme where he goes into the grass uh, to hide. Everyone's going in a Bengals fan, and then all of a sudden you come out Reds fan because this is something that to be exciting about. No, this does not complete this team. This does not make us a title contender at all. But what this shows is that this organization is committed to getting better, to making changes. It has been a long time since we have been, you know, a a competitive team. The last time we made the playoffs, I believe, was either 2011, 2012. Um, And in those times, we still didn't look very competent under Dusty Baker and the rest of the squad. So this is something that shows they want to win, they want to be better. I mean, they're, they're, um, Attendance was an all-time low uh, last season, and that was reasonably so. So this is um, very, very pertinent, and uh, it has excited a lot of people. I uh, uh, reached out to my baseball insider, Mr. Andrew Perrin. Shout-out to Andrew Perrin. Asking him about what he thought about this deal in particular, Um, you know, I asked him, how did we pull off this trade? He said, there's something about salary cap penalties, which is what I talked about, um, with the luxury tax. Um, but he just knows that the the Dodgers, you know, had to do this to clear cap space. Um, and the good thing is, is that we were able to capitalize on this because the Dodgers really needed a bad contract. Homer Bailey's was, a notoriously bad contract, and they were able to take that and waive him. Um, I asked him, uh, this is Andrew Perrin, about his thoughts on those that we got. You know, we know about Puig, but Kemp, you know, is a little bit older, and I, I personally did not know too much about Wood. He said getting Wood is big, he's a legit starter, and Puig is a quality player for those who dislike him mostly just like don't like how he's cocky, which we know that. Um, but he uh, compared him to Brandon Phillips and why we'll love him. Um, and then he said Kemp has had a really good couple years uh, since he uh, got over his injury issues, and then Framer is also a young guy with MLB MLB
1: experience who can be product- a productive player. So, you know that is that's very
0: good for us and very exciting, but what uh what we have to hear is brian uh he's able to to join us even on the road um Brian, what are your thoughts about the Bengals blockbuster trade with the Dodgers
2: so the Cincinnati Reds finally made some uh offseason moves that I can get behind. And uh, I kind of want to break that down a little bit. We've got some star power coming to town, and I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I'm just going to kind of break down how this trade went for the Reds with the Dodgers, um, a little bit on both sides. Obviously, I'm going to lean more towards the Red sides, but I get the uh, Dodgers side. And I'll explain it uh, just a little bit. But um, I also, you know, I'm also going to grade the trade, and I'm going to talk about what steps need to come after. So. Um, just to kind of give some backstory, I mean, I, any of you who are Reds fans know we've gone through four straight ninety-loss seasons as we've tried to build for the future and build for the future and build for the future. And right now, the future just ain't happening. Um, the Reds have been have been lacking uh, support for you know our our consistent All Star, perennial All Star uh, talent in Joey Votto, um, and. Right now, as it looks, uh, I mean, we're we're getting towards the end of the uh, the peak production with Joey Votto. So, if we want to get the most that we can out of the amount of money we've we've dropped on Joey Votto, it's time to start adding some star power. So, the Reds shopped the market this off season, and they did promise to spend some more payroll dollars. and uh, and, and and it looks like Dick Williams is is starting to make a turnaround here, uh, because the Reds have traded. Um the big names in the trade are are, are Homer Bailey, uh Yasio Puig, Matt Kemp and Alex Wood. Um and they also got a hold of a uh, Kyle Farmer who's a who's a um a minor league farm system catcher who who's got a lot of potential but um yeah, the Reds we have been we've been talking about dumping Homer Bailey uh for ye- you know since uh, since his two no-hitter year, he, his production just dropped off the map and yeah it's looking like the the Reds have finally found a way to do that um the Dodgers were trying to find a way to to get rid of the luxury tax uh that they had had on on Yasop Puig and and Matt Kemp and and Alex Wood who who is an upper level starter um and 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 they took the hit on Bailey they 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 cut Bailey and so the Dodgers benefit from there because they're trying to play for for Bryce Harper or possibly some other free agents uh that are currently available they have a massive amount of salary cap room and the reds are starting to spend their payroll money and they still have a lot to 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 spend and and dick williams even said in the press release that the reds are not done they have a lot to do in the off season and i am a huge fan of this decision um this is the most this is the first time a blockbuster move has happened in cincinnati in a while in any sport um so yeah, Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp and Alex Wood are coming to town. Um, right now, it looks it looks like it's shaken up like this. Um, we're pretty stacked up on corner outfield talent. Uh, it's pretty pretty deep. Um, we we didn't tender Billy Hamilton, so Billy Hamilton's gone, and we have a hole in center field. Um, what I'm, what it's looking like right now is that Matt Kemp is going to be more of a lineup guy, somebody who's going to be uh, a viable pinch hit opportunity. Uh, opportunity. He's going to provide a lot uh, off of a backup as we try to, as we try to 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 make sense of the younger talent in the lineup. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Matt Kemp's still a productive hitter. He can still provide a lot um and he also you know maybe if there's another trade that needs to come in matt camp is a is an inviting name to try and get a good trade out of um, other than that he's somebody you can you can kind of stick anywhere in the lineup and, and he'll bolster yourself in there he's a very productive hitter and he, he can he can go yard at any given time and that's that's a big thing especially when you're in great american ballpark which is a fly you know that's not a flyball ball friendly park you're gonna hit a lot of home runs there so i'm a big fan of that obviously you know yasio puig is a baseball player. You know, um, you know that Yasiel Puig is is, is, is just a tremendous talent, uh, especially in the batter's box, which is what the Reds have really needed: is a consistent, uh, excellent lineup um, where you can count on you know somebody being able to go you know go week in and week out and and provide you good numbers in the batter's box and give you some run support for your pitching staff. Um, Yasui gets reunited with the hitting coach he had had when he started his MLB career in Los Angeles. Um, he has a great relationship uh, there, and he he fits very well into uh, a nice three four five uh, or two three four rotation with with Joey Votto and and some other hitters uh, kind of around or you know around the lineup so i'm i'm a giant fan of that um i'm a giant fan of where yasuke we could fit as a as a baseball player um i know he had some personality issues in los angeles but i think a lot of that was because of dramatic coaching staff and and roster moves and changes as they tried to prepare for the massive free agent spending frenzy that has become this offseason with with bryce harper and and a few other guys um so yeah i i'm 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 really really fond of that i'm really uh, from from a from a lineup perspective i really like this trade um now that being said that didn't immediately turn the reds into contenders there's still some work to do and and dick williams knows that and 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 uh i'll, I'll kind of break down what i what it looks like um i think the reds should be doing in this offseason to kind of you know turn this team from a from a worst to first in in, in the national league um you know we we did just uh uh add tanner roark i really like that the, the 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 tanner Rainey to tanner roark trade with the nationals tanner roark's a a quality starter somebody who can provide you know every five days provide you um you know some good innings some 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 low era innings and and um and, and can really give you an opportunity to win. So I like the Tanner Roark uh, addition. Obviously, Alex Wood is a is a great starter. It looks like right now, if you put that starting five out, uh, Alex Wood would probably be your ace. Um, but I still think the Reds should add one more quality starter. That's uh, that's one thing that 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 really would send this team over the edge. Is a is is a um, is a really another quality starter we have probably three I would put my faith in right now in Luis Castillo Alex Wood and Tanner Roark uh De is 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 very inconsistent um some games he'll 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 get bombed some games he'll he'll provide you a quality inning I don't have a lot of uh faith in Tyler Maley um Sau Romano, I, I gave a lot of my thoughts on him during baseball season I, I've I've fallen out of favor with Saurimano Romano. Um, and then we have Robert Stevenson, Matt Whistler and, and Lucas Sims as our long relievers. Um, but really as far as the starting rotation goes, we need to get somebody in that four hole, um, and get st- and, and we can round out with DeScafani. I think Descalfani makes a good fifth option in the lineup. Um, and, and I'm okay with that, but I think we need to get somebody in that four hole. Um, there there is, I mean, I mean, Dallas Keuchel is available right now, and the, and the Reds are interested. That's an expensive contract to take on, but I'm, I, they have the money. Um, the payroll, the payroll has been rumored to to be uh, up for debate on on how much they're gonna they're gonna drop on on payroll, especially in their starting pitching rotation. So I I would love if the Reds got a hold of Dallas Keuchel. That would really make that starting rotation extraordinarily dangerous um minor links to Corey kluber and trevor bauer the uh, the top two guys uh, with the indians but i don't i don't i don't really think so uh i mean marcus stroman is available the blue jays have him on the market uh danny duffy from the royals he necessarily isn't a isn't a he's a high ceiling value but he he's a he's a low floor value so you don't you we don't know about danny duffy um I mean, I don't know. The Diamondbacks probably would dump Zach Greinke at this point, but um, we need somebody to 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 round out that 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 front four. And uh, the, my 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 big money guy would be Dallas Keuchel. Um, we need somebody who can go out and dominate on the fifth day. That's how I feel. Is that we need somebody who can go out every fifth day just just crush it. We can't we can't uh, just have guys who go in and take long innings or you know take up take up a bunch of innings and you know and 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 provide you know mid level to upper level quality we need w- at least one person to uh you know to round out that at least that top 4 and Disclafani can can be your fifth option um i think Luis Castillo is on, is poised to have uh one of the better seasons and, and you know he he could be he could be a superstar by the end of next season, um, and I think if you if you pair that with somebody else who possibly could take that A spot, it really it's it's a really exciting thing to think about when it comes to the starting rotation in Cincinnati. Um, next thing I think the Reds should do, um, as I said before, we have. We have a very uh, loaded corner outfield uh, output right now. Um, I mean, I'll just go down. Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Philip Irvin, uh, Jose Siri, Scott Schebler, and Jesse Winker. I think Jesse Winker will start at left field, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Matt Kemp backing him up. And uh, I believe Scott Schebler would start uh, over at the – well, actually, um, maybe Jose Siri. Jose Siri is the 15th best prospect uh, on the Reds, so – He's the only guy who's actually a center fielder, but I, I would I wouldn't necessarily plug him out there right now because I don't think he's necessarily ready to handle uh major league fly balls. I, w- I could see Yasiel Puig uh heading out to center field because he he has the athleticism, the speed and he knows the position. Um so that could work right now, that could band aid it. But I think if we if we either get a prospect that we can work in um that's a little bit more ready than Jose Siri is or um, sign somebody in free agency. Who's, who's a, a starter quality, uh major league center fielder. I think that would really, um, that, that would, that would obviously help our pitching staff uh, when we go to fly ball friendly parks, but also it would, um, it would, it would, it would just improve the defense massively um, you know, center field, obviously has to handle a lot and uh that that's that's an easy that's an easy target for for a lot of hitters especially in the major leagues these hitters are so talented so you you need you need a well-balanced outfield so so center field is 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 uh is probably the next move in um in my opinion obviously i mean people people will say like oh matt camp he used to be a center fielder um but he's that athleticism isn't there anymore um he's 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 a lineup guy, a hundred percent. He's not a, he's not a defense guy anymore. So, um, I would say, um, try to go after a free agent, um, somewhere. AJ Pollock is available. AJ Pollock is a, is a, um, is, is a, is a good target. I think if, if, if the Reds want to go outside of the organization, um, I mean, I, I don't think he, he's, he's a little bit older, so I don't think he would, um, he would necessarily be an expensive contract. I'm hoping not, but um, yeah, I would say AJ Pollock would be a good move. Um, I mean, you could you could trade for a couple guys. Kevin Kiermeyer from the Tampa Bay Rays is a good idea. Um, the Red Sox have a big luxury tax uh, burden on their hands that they could try to get rid of somebody. You know, maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. We'll see. Um, but maybe a trade would go into bent, but there definitely needs to be somebody rounding out center field there. Um, so that's, that's the next thing I would say, um, right now, I mean, obviously the biggest need the Reds had in the off season was to boost out, was, was to boost that, that rotation. You have a couple of big name guys, Luis Castillo being one, uh, and, and Rasio Iglesias, Rasio Iglesias, who, uh, we have locked up until 2021, who's one of the best closers in baseball. Um, so the big thing is, in baseball, you can't just have an ace, a great closer, and think you can do that. That's not the way it works. You need balance, especially in, in you know in a rotation. You need to be able to handle any and all lineups uh, in the major leagues because teams can figure it out very, very quickly in, in a three-game series. And it can work against your favor. So we need to round out and possibly uh, the, the deeper parts of that bullpen um, – either either get some higher quality prospects who can who can make a mid-season jump um develop some of our talent and, and 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 prepare some guys to get up to the major league level or um as it seems like we're doing make another free agency move to load up the uh the deeper parts of that ro- of, of the of the pitching rotation because uh, iglesias can't just go in every single day and close out a game it's just not how it works for mlb closers um so that that would be that would be how I finished that out is 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 round out the uh round out that pitching rotation the deeper parts of the lineup and uh you know uh, at the end of the day this trade for the reds is is ridiculously exciting because now we're going to be looking at a lot of home runs, and I think the Reds are going to be selling a lot of tickets because a lot of people are going to want to see Matt Kemp play. A lot of people are going to see Yasiel Puig play, and they want to see him on the same field as Joey Votto, who we don't have forever. You know, you have to remember, Joey Votto has been a Red for a long time. Um, he's, in, he's in the back portion of his career. So we need to make the most of this, and, and I think the Reds could take a couple steps and really be a serious contender in the National League. Um, and, and it's really exciting to say that. I did not anticipate this move happening at all. And it's it's really exciting that Dick Williams is is kinda trying to go from all right, let's build for the future to, okay, let's as a baseball organization try to win now, which teams who are who are who have had four consecutive ninety game uh or 90 lost seasons they're not doing that so it looks like the reds are really trying to take steps to be a contender and and i'm excited to see what happens next i'm a huge fan of this trade if i had to give it a grade i'd give it an a minus solely because you know you still have somebody who's aging and expensive in matt kemp and um alex wood is a is a upper tier starter but he's not an ace and i think the reds need to try and get a hold of an ace so i'd give this trade an a minus and i'm very excited to see what this holds for uh for cincinnati so it's gonna be a it's me a a it's going to be much better to be a Cincinnati Reds fan uh, this coming season. So
0: there you have it. That is Brian's take on the blockbuster trade. That was uh, this Friday with the Cincinnati Reds. Again, super, super crazy. Um, and I'm just super excited to see what we're able to do in this off season and see how competitive we can truly become.
1: Now, on to University of Kentucky basketball. Um yeah. I was surprised. I know me and Michael talked about it on
0: um Friday show and this game is extremely important and they were able to get a win over North Carolina 80 to 72. Um honestly it was just really surprising um Kelden Johnson scored uh 23 points Reed Travis had 20 um PJ Washington uh was doing his job getting a double double almost a triple double with eight assists um they were really keeping out of foul trouble uh besides Johnson um they didn't shoot very well from the three Hero had a very struggling game but everyone else made up shooting 43 percent um and we we still did not play very well in terms of our perimeter offense but what happened was we got a ton of production out of our starters and really the the ultimate killer of the entire game was um the you know defensive stats that we normally would not get um i believe i'm looking it up right now i'm sorry yeah, Higgins had eight steals for Kentucky. There was 12 total steals. Like, that is that is ridiculous. And the fact that one player had eight. He was just all over the place guessing. He knew where they were going. And, you know, that's pretty demeaning. And what was great is that, you know, it was, it was a close game through the entire time, but we were able to just pull away just enough to really seal it at the end you know when UNC was really sticking with us really trying to fight us, and I just I could not believe that this Kentucky key team came out and performed this way. this is the team that Brian talked about this is the team that Michael talked about um this is the team that we were excited about a few months ago, and you know the fact that we are just able to win a very hard game, a game that me and Michael were not very sure that we would win, but we just wanted to be competitive. So the fact that we took it by eight points is a great sign. We have Louisville coming up this weekend and just, I can't be happier than I am right now when it comes to UK basketball. That was just, that was great all
1: around. So super, super excited. Um, but well, the thing that I'm excited the most about is
0: come Friday when Michael joins the show and gives you all of his uh, analysis and breakdown of that because that is going to be a lot of fun for him and for the show, obviously. Um, on Friday's show, I was able to uh, quickly inform everybody about NKU getting a 65 to 62 win over Northern Illinois. I'm sorry, I can't talk. Uh, had a late message that I wasn't able to put in the show since we recorded uh, the night before. Um, comes from a fan. Huge win for NKU tonight against Northern Illinois. This team is just so fun to watch. Can't wait for the conference play to start next week. NKU is going back to the NCAA tournament, fellas. I can feel it. Go Norse. And I think that you are right. This team is, is you know, last year was kind of a, a funky year for NKU. I think they were trying to get their reins back after losing a lot of older players. Um, and this just shows that they are, they're really ready. I mean, 10-3, that's a great start. They, you know, unfortunately they dropped some games they could have won. But you learn from those, you keep moving forward. And like, uh, you know, like you said, we're getting ready to go into conference time, and that is when it matters the most. If they are able to take this conference and win the conference championship, they will get another ticket punched to their second NCAA tournament ever in the school history. And we would love to see them get past the round of 64 this time. I know last time they got matched up against Kentucky and actually put up a really, really good fight. I was sad that they got matched up versus Kentucky, but hopefully this time they get matched up versus someone who I can actually cheer for them to take down as they are the most local as local schools get, um, according to my geography. So good job, NKU Norse. Keep up the good work. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game Uh this Friday against IUPUI on Friday's show, just to let you know, we're we're definitely predicted to win that, but again, I'll I'll do a little bit more analysis come Friday. Uh next, want to talk about the Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals dropped another one like we all expected, like I guessed. Uh actually kind of like I hoped as I'm wanting to move into better uh draft positionings. We lost to the Browns today 26 to 18. Way closer than I uh, expected with the way the game was going. At one point, I believe it was twenty six to three, um, or twenty three to three, something like that. Um, So I I was like, "Wow, we're really gonna get blowed out, blown out." Baker Mayfield had a great game, two eighty four, three touchdowns. Driscoll though came back in the second half, getting two touchdowns, one hundred thirty three yards, and really proving to be (laughs) pinnacle. Why can't I say words? Pinnacle whatever i don't know what i was trying to say uh joe mixon had a very rough day um
1: he they just could not get a run game going that defense was just all over it and it uh you know it was kind of
0: frustrating you really expected a bigger game out of mixon uh, not his fault again you know the defense just was really good and the offensive line just could not battle like i said th- i was super excited that the game got closer Especially because I
1: picked them to cover, uh, to you know, get the nine, the nine point spread. Gosh, guys, I'm struggling. But,
0: um, you know what the frustrating part is, we get ourselves into a position where we can, you know, try to come back, try to win the game, and then next thing we know, we give up. Oh, what was it like a seventy yard or sixty three yard pass? From Baker Mayfield, that should have been almost an interception, but it, or at least like a ten-yard game, and then it turned in
1: all the way down to the three-yard line. So that's the frustrating portion of it.
0: But you know, you you guys know where I stand on the Bengals. Um, you know, some <laughs> some very saddening and interesting things. Um, I love that they always got to uh, throw it in our face about Marvin Lewis and his tenure with the Bengals. They threw up a graphic about all the longest um, head coaches' tenures entering into 2018. And of all the people they listed on there, the least was Pete Carroll with nine. The most was Bill Belichick with 19. Every single one of them not only had playoff wins, actually multiple, all of them had a Super Bowl as well, except for Marvin. Lewis it shows you how freaking complacent we are. Um there's been a lot of talks that Vance Joseph uh the head coach for the Broncos is probably going to get fired and he may be our next defensive coordinator and then also with that saying that um the the Bengals are uh giving Marvin Lewis the power to dictate the terms in which he wants to exit whether that be this year, next year or even longer. We don't know. And that's a frustrating thing as a Bengals fan. But, again, you guys know my opinion where I stand on the Bengals. But the person that we haven't gotten to hear too much from again, um, and, you know, we're always excited when he's able to join in, Brian is, was able to get us another little take about the uh, Bengals. Brian, what is your take on the Bengals?
2: All right, so the Cincinnati Bengals. It is time to call for Marvin Lewis's head, I think it's a long, it's a foregone conclusion. We've known that for a while, but I, I I try my very best to to remain optimistic in that scenario. It it's time to to clear out the coaching staff. Um, I know, I mean, a lot of people try to give an alibi with fifteen guys on the IR. Your starting quarterback out, your star receiver, your second receiver out. Um, but here is the deal. We shouldn't have our leading linebacker um, brushing away athletic trainers and looking un- not motivated the entirety of the season that he's played. Um, we shouldn't have a backup quarterback who can't seem to throw the ball uh, to the to the side of a barn. Um, we shouldn't have failing young, fantastic defensive prospects um, in in guys like Andrew Billings falling flat week in and week out because we're not scheming them correctly when we're supposed to have a great defensive coordinator as a head coach. Um, and frankly, we shouldn't have an un- un- unmotivated football team when we're playing the Cleveland Browns. It's the first time the Bengals have been swept by the Browns since 2002. And, yeah, it, it's 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 a hard season to watch. Um I could I could break down over and over again the the, the many things the team needs to fix. Uh, I will say Alex Redmond and Bobby Hart looked lost the entire game, and I I've never advocated for Bobby Hart. I have Bobby Hart is not an, a pro level lineman. He's not. Um, I thought he could be a great backup, but I I they had I guess higher plans for him and it didn't work. We need a new right tackle. Alex Redman, I don't think, is ready to play right guard in the NFL. We need a new right guard. The right side of that line is an absolute disaster. And Jeff Driscoll is already inaccurate enough. You give him pressure, it's gonna be even worse. So I don't I, I I don't want to harp on Jeff Driscoll too much, but he's not a pro level quarterback. Um yeah. At the end of the day, I I I just it's time to clear out the coaching staff. Why is why is Sean Williams garbage? Sean Williams was a great safety the first 3 weeks of the season. He was a great safety uh last year. How 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 does he not develop into a leader? How does Drake or Patrick not develop into a leader? How does Vontes Burfick not take over that defense when he comes back? That was the most exciting thing about the season was Vontes Burfick is back. The defense is going to play with some energy and it never happened. Um and it's and it's just a it's a big glaring highlight of um of of what's wrong in Cincinnati. So yeah, I mean, I I can't say anything other than that coaching staff needs to be cleared out. Um there's there's rumors that Marvin Lewis dictates when he exits. I certainly hope that that exit happens this season because I uh, it it's hard to watch it is really hard to watch. Um I'll still root for the Bengals week in and week out, but it becomes increasingly difficult. I will say that. Um So yeah, um I I I'll, I'll go through the bright spots because I, I remain uh I, I do my best to remain optimistic. Um my bright spots right now, uh, uh John Ross, John Ross got a, got a, got his touchdown. Um Joe Mixon. I I'm going to go on I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent about Joe Mixon. Um Joe Mixon absolutely can be a superstar NFL running back. Um, you think about if he would have had, he has the offensive line that Adrian Peterson has or the offensive line that Todd Gurley has or the offensive line that Ezekiel Elliott has um, from a run game perspective. And Joe Mixon can rule the world as a running back. Um, so if we give him some support and start using him in the passing game and start really coming up with creative ways to use him, he can be one of the best players in the league. Um, I'm a huge fan I'm a huge fan of Joe Mixon he's everything he should be as an NFL running back and he's only going to improve from here so uh, I know at the beginning of the season I, I said to temper my expectations just because you never know about second year running backs Um, I am a believer in Joe Mixon now and I I like that I like being a believer in Joe Mixon Um, the entire linebacking core in Cincinnati needs to go and I think that's a that's a big address in the off season that the uh, the Bengals will should and will try to do in the draft. There's a, there's enough talent to fix it in the draft. Um, that that linebacker core needs to be, we need to we need to also take care of the safety situation because Sean Williams isn't it. Um, other than that, I mean, it's a really tough season to watch because of injuries and 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 lack of motivated coaching. And uh, yeah, I'm just hoping for changes in the off season tough to be a Bengals fan, but we'll get there eventually. It'd be great if they uh, took a page out of the Reds' notebook this offseason, made some blockbuster trade. That'd be great. Um, but, yeah, other than that, um, I'll be giving some playoff analysis very soon. I'm very excited for the NFL playoffs. There's a lot of really interesting storylines going on. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to break them down. Um, I'll talk to you guys on Friday.
0: So there you have it. That is Brian's take on the Bengals. I think he points out some excellent things. You know, we definitely need some change in Cincinnati and Cincinnati sports. Uh, the Reds have officially uh, done that for us. Now the Bengals need to follow suit. Mike Brown needs to learn a lesson uh, from the Reds and how to uh, get excitement and how to try and be serviceable and competitive rather than sedative and useless in nature so um we'll just have to wait and see uh this end of the season is going to be interesting uh brian alluded to uh the playoffs hopefully um maybe friday or um maybe an extra day this week we will try to get together and record all of our Uh, bowl picks and playoffs picks uh well the playoff picks will have to come the following week because a lot of things are up in the balance which i will be talking about in the next segment as i break down all the nfl games from this uh weekend and my picks and how everything went And so, yeah. So this concludes today's local segment. As always, it's brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app. Uh, Purchase any ticket to all kinds of different sporting events, uh, concerts, whatever you can think of. I mean, Christmas is tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't gotten a gift already, use code DoubleTechnical. Save yourself twenty bucks and get the person that you love and want to give them a present. Um, You know, get it get it on a discount, but you're still doing them. Um, a great favor and a great uh, gift is given so remember code double technical seat geek $20 off your first ticket purchase so I'm gonna take a quick break and I'm gonna be right back to talk about my NFL picks that I may or may not got right and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the playoff situation that is now unfolded in the NFL All right, so we are back, and there's there's quite a bit to talk about when it comes to playoffs, playoffs. If everyone knows what I'm referencing there, um, and just the craziness that was this weekend, and a lot of things uh, have been shaken when it comes to the uh, NFL playoff picture. Uh, so uh, we just got to get
1: right into it because. This is uh this is going to be interesting. First. We had two Saturday games. Sorry, that was a long pause, but I'm getting my paperwork ready. Cuz I got to tell
0: you if I was right or wrong. Um two Saturday games, we started off with the Titans versus the Redskins. Titans or I'm sorry, Redskins were plus ten in that matchup. I took that. Redskins were leading majority of the game. Uh, Marcus Mariota actually got hurt and Blaine Gabbert had to step in. Um, Derrick Henry continued his hot streak, getting 84 yards and one touchdown, and they were able to win 25 to 16 barely. I barely got the spread on that one. Nine point victory that equals a win for me since they were plus ten. So I'm one and one to start, but then I quickly faltered. I still have the Chargers winning the AFC and going to the Super Bowl, but man, did they look rough against the Baltimore Patriots? Phil Rivers, uh, 181 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Lamar Jackson, 204 in the air, one rush, uh, one throwing touchdown. Uh, the defense just played excellent and really stifled this Chargers offense that's been very good all year. Um, they've only had a few down uh moments and. You know, this hurt the Chargers because, um, as we're going to talk about later, really they could have had themselves in a position to have home field advantage through the playoffs, which would is so huge, even though they don't even really have a home field. But it's still really important uh, for that organization. And now they probably have missed out on their chance um, because they dropped that game Saturday. So that's it's very hurtful. These games at the end of the season matter the most when it comes to seeding. So Baltimore won 22 to 10. I took the Chargers minus four. So obviously I was just outright wrong on that one. Then let's move on to Sunday's games. Bengals, they were getting nine points in the matchup. Obviously we talked about they lost 26 to 18. Them getting that two point conversion made me happy because the game was a one score game, but it also made it under nine. So I got that one right. We got two victories so far. Uh, then I had the Colts minus nine versus his Giants, you know, with Odell, Be- Odell Beckham Jr. being out. I did not think the Giants were going to suit well, but this game was a thriller. Uh, Andrew Luck had to come back from being down. They were down for a large amount of the game. Um, they were able to win 28-27, uh, to 27. the Colts were, over the New York Giants. Luck threw 357, two touchdowns, one interception, uh, and he scored a one-yard touchdown pass with 55 seconds left to get the victory over Eli and the Giants. A crazy, crazy game, but it keeps their playoff hopes alive, which is Something I really wouldn't have thought about after the first five games of this year is the way the Colts just were so bad. This league this year, it was like you had the teams that you knew were going to be good. And then everybody under them, either they started out great and then went to crap or they were crap and went to great. And it's just so weird how it flopped like that. You can see across both divisions, both conferences had that huge flip flop and how it really was damning to a lot of these teams. So I got that one wrong. Next, we had the Eagles versus the Texans. This was another nail biter. Um, It came down to a last second field goal being scored by Jake Elliott as time expired. Um, And Nick Foles, man, got another victory for the Eagles when it truly, truly, truly mattered. Um, The spread in this game was two points. So this is my first tie of the season. Um, in terms of the spread, but yeah, 32 to 30 victory over Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson had a great game, nothing to snuff at, uh, three two touchdowns in the air and two touchdowns on the ground, four touchdowns by himself. And, but Nick Foles followed suit with 471 yards, throwing four TDs through the air. He was a man on a mission. Um, and they were able to withhold a plethora of touchdowns by, um, Deshaun in the fourth quarter to get that field goal as time expired, 35 yarder by Jake Elliott, who used to be a Bengal and we cut him because of course. So Eagles are keeping their playoff chances alive, and this is really going to come down, you know, and I'll talk about it a little bit later to the Vikings and them on who gets in uh, to those NFC
1: wild card spots. Next, we had Miami versus. The Jaguars. How
0: in the world, Miami? <sighs> I took Miami minus four, and they lost the game outright. Seventeen to seven was the final score. Jacksonville Jaguars been the worst team basically the entire second half or three quarters of the year. Um, were able to easily get a win over Tannehill. Um, there wasn't even a, th- a touchdown thrown by Kessler or ran by Hyde. Um. I, man, it just it eliminated the the Dolphins from the AFC playoffs. Uh so nothing more fitting than the Miami Dolphins getting knocked out by the useless, useless Jacksonville Jaguars as they all go hang out at the bar down in Florida where they all belong out of the playoffs right now. So that was another uh for me. So at this point I'm what 2-3 and 1. But then Let's start getting on a roll, guys. After this one, sorry. Uh, next, I <laughs> it was the Jets versus the Packers. I had the Jets plus two and a half, and it was looking really good. The Jets got it into overtime, crazy game. I did not think that it would get uh, that far. I thought it would be close. I thought maybe the Jets could steal one if Rodgers had a down game, um, but. I did not think that Sam Darnold would play the way he did. 341 yards, three touchdowns, got a touchdown as t- um as time expired, I believe, or a field goal, something like that. Let me double check. Uh, Got him down there for a field goal, yes, to um go into overtime, which was really impressive by him. But ultimately in overtime, and- Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown, a 16-yard touchdown, that is, to Devontae Adams with 623 left. Uh, he went 442 and two touchdowns on the day. Uh Green Bay final score 44 to 38 in overtime. Thus giving me another loss making me 4-2 or 2-4 and 1 at this point. But then this is where my luck changes ladies and gentlemen. This is where it changed, <laughs> so uh next game was a pick 'em between the cowboys and the buccaneers. I picked the cowboys they won twenty seven to twenty over the buccaneers. no surprise there um a weird way of winning, I will say um it w- it was great though for the cowboys, if you're a cowboy fan, yes, Caleb, I'm talking to you uh yes, ebel talking to you um. They were able to get uh this win, which secured them into the playoffs. They clinched the playoff first. They clinched their division, so that is huge for them. Um, and they will be fighting for a chance, uh, to hopefully get to the Saints and try to beat them for a second time. As the Saints are also locked with home field advantage, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but Dak Prescott only one sixty one, one touchdown. Jameis Winston threw a lot, three thirty six in the air, but only one touchdown effectively. Um. And really what won the game was Jalen Smith for the Dallas Cowboys returned a fumble 69
1: yards to secure uh, the game for them. That that was that was the big moment of
0: the game. It kind of shifted things. So got that one right. We're now we're looking at me. I'm three, four and one. Uh, then I had the Vikings. They were uh, five and a half point favorites. They won twenty-seven to nine over the Detroit Lions. Kirk Cousins finally looked like freaking Kirk Cousins, throwing two fifty-three and three touchdowns. I felt so bad for my wife because I told her to bench him and played Philip Rivers, and Philip Rivers did awful. And Kirk Cousins actually showed up, so I might have cost her a championship. Sorry, sorry, hun. Uh, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Kyle Rudolph siding, He's been. Mia ever since having a good few seasons, um, two or three years ago, uh, nine catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns. So big day for him. I knew the Vikings would get a win, but they they really destroyed the poor Detroit Lions. So now I'm four four and one. You see, I'm starting to pull back up. Uh, this is uh, one of those ones that's extremely heartbreaking. Uh, Because I had one of the lucky ones earlier, and then I got not so lucky. I picked the Patriots minus 13, and they won 24 to 12. Yes, if you can do math, that is 12-point differential. So I lost the game. Tom Brady, 126, one touchdown, two interceptions. Both quarterbacks had an atrocious game. Josh Allen, 217, one touchdown, two interceptions as well. Um, But the difference maker was on the ground as uh, Michelle was able to have 18 carries, 116 yards, and one touchdown for the Patriots and secured their 10th straight AFC East title. Um, And this is actually their 16th straight season over the past 16 years um, where they have won 10 or more games. Crazy stat there. Um, It's kind of sickening. (laughs) but that that's the way things work. So that's another loss for me
1: at this point. I was, um, Oh, what was I? I'm sorry. Math, math. Um, I had, I was four or five and one at this point. Okay. Now I go on a nice little run again.
0: I picked the Rams, who were minus three, over the Panthers. Rams. I'm sorry. I picked the Falcons, who were minus three, over the Panthers. They won 24 to 10. Uh, My uh, Matt Ryan, 239, three touchdowns. Um, Carolina did not play with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was out. Um, Still favored. uh, Henneke really favored Christian McCaffrey. Um, He had 21 carries, 101 yards, and 12 catches for 77 yards. Um, But the thing is, is Henneke. If that's how you say it correctly, had three interceptions. Can't win a game doing that. So easy win for the Falcons and an easy W for me. I'm now five five and one at this point. Uh, then we had the Bears going up against the 49ers. Uh, Bears ended up winning 14 to nine. Very close game. Not what I thought it would be. I, I knew that the San Francisco 49ers would not score against this very very tough Bears defense, but I really thought. Um, Mitchell Trubisky would be able to do more than just throwing one touchdown pass in two hundred forty-six yards. So I was a little surprised there. Uh, Jawan Howard was able to also get a score on the ground. Those were the two lone scores for them on the day. Um, and but they were minus four and they won by five. And that is all that matters to my totals as I now moved up to six and five at this point. Uh, the Rams, who I could never end up finding a line on, so I. Did it as a pick'em. Um were able to beat the Cardinals 31 to 9. Obviously, easy win. Um CJ Anderson played in place of Todd Gurley. He had 167 yards, one touchdown. Jerichoff, 16 1 T D, no interceptions, which is very pertinent for him. Uh poor Josh Allen. 12 for 23, 87 yards, four carries, forty nine yards. He just had there was no offense at all. I mean, At all (laughs) Uh, for the four Arizona Cardinals. So this was an easy W for the Los Angeles Rams and an easy W for me. As at this point, I had moved up to seven, five and one. Uh, Then we had the Steelers versus the Saints. Now, this game, I'm going to talk a little bit more in length because of all the implications that this game had. So first off, let's talk about my pick St. Uh, Steelers, I took them plus six. I did not think that they would win outright, but I thought that, that they would cover that spread, which they did as the Saints won 31-28, to so only a three-point victory. So I got a W, and I'm 8-5-1 at this point. But here's the nitty-gritty I want to get down to. Ben Roethlisberger, 380 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Antonio Brown, 185 yards, two touchdowns on his own. Drew Brees, 326, one touchdown. Mark Ingram, uh, 35 yards, one touchdown. Crazy game. Absolutely crazy game. There were some, ext- you know, and I hate the Steelers, guys. Obviously, we know this, Bengals fan. But there were some extremely questionable calls, uh, questionable calls by the refs against uh, Hayden for the Steelers. Two pass interference calls that I did not quite agree with uh that really 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 helped the Saints um get into a a lead position um the Saints scored with about 125 left um after a touchdown pass from Breeze his only one of the game uh to uh Michael Thomas and you know here i am i'm thinking they left too much time on the clock and you know the the Steelers start going down the field they're making plays but ultimately, even though all these things happened, they were in the position to at least tie the game and try to win it. And Juju Smith Schuster catches the ball, gets hit, fumbles away a lot. You know, not only did he fumble away the game and secured the Saints, who are now guaranteed home field advantage for the playoffs in the NFC, um, but the Steelers have now fallen out of the playoffs. And depending on who wins and who loses, Come um, next Sunday, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns will be out of the playoffs all the while the Baltimore Ravens somehow get in when they started out this year not very well. That... Fumble changed the course of this entire season for the Steelers and even for the Saints because, in my opinion, the Steelers were about to go down and either tie it and send it to overtime or potentially get a touchdown to win it. And Juju just he blew it. I mean, don't want to pummel on the guy even though I do hate the Steelers and I hate him especially because he had that dirty blow against uh, Vontez Burfict. But you gotta hold on to the ball, man that is your job. And you can say all you want about all the refs, but at the end of the day you were you guys were in a position to at least tie and or win the game and you lost it for them. And now the the Bengals in me, the Bengal fan in me is giddy as the Steelers could be just as awful as us and miss the playoffs because no matter who wins out of the Colts Indianapolis next week, one, whoever wins gets into the playoffs because they'll win their division. Um, the other team, I think I haven't, they haven't quite fully came out with all this stuff. Um, but you know, one of those extra side slots should get in. And then, uh, the Ravens, if they win because of this loss, they will win the division and really kind kind of shake some things up. I'm trying to see real quick if I can double check. Um, well, let me, let me do this real quick. So I'm going to move on from there and then I'm going to talk about all the playoffs outlooks. Then I had the chiefs negative, uh, minus two and a half point favorites against the Seahawks. Seahawks were able to win that game outright 38 to 31, extremely surprising. Russell Wilson, 271, three touchdowns, Patty Mahomes, 273 and three touchdowns. So very close there. Um, but ultimately the run game was where it decided things, uh, Carson for, uh, The uh, Seattle Seahawks won uh, 16 and two touchdowns on the ground, and the Seahawks were able to clinch another playoff berth when nobody, uh, personally, I would not have thought at the beginning of the year they would have even a shot at coming close to the playoffs after losing the whole Legion of Boom, essentially. So... That is all of the games. So I finished 8, 6, and 1, ladies and gentlemen. I finally went positive after starting 5 and 9 the first two weeks. Um, so that ultimately brings my total up to what? I was 10 and 18, uh, 8 and 6, and 1, math. So I am 18, 24, and 1. So I'm almost to 500. Almost. I got another week. And then we can talk about the playoffs. That's where it really matters. Hopefully I go 100% there. So looking at um, the playoffs, though, guaranteed locks. Kansas City Chiefs are 100% in the playoffs. Um, but um, the the thing that's kind of crazy is they control everything. They have to win. Over the Raiders, who are a terrible team, so I'm assuming they're going to. But if they lose and the Chargers win, the Chiefs would go from being top of the AFC all the way to the wild card position, which would be horrendous for them. You know, you want to maintain home field advantage, you really want the AFC to be played through Arrowhead and not Foxborough or LA. So that that's key for them, but I don't see I don't foresee them losing to the Oakland Raiders. We we know the Bengals were able to beat them, so that says something. Um New England Patriots have guaranteed that they are in the playoffs as well. Um as they clinch their division. Uh they will win the f- number one overall seed uh with a victory next week. Um it but the Chargers and Chiefs would have to lose as well to give them the number one seed. Um, so, again, don't see that happening. So the Patriots will have to play, play on wild card weekend for the first time since 2009, and they play against the Jets next week. Uh, Houston Texans have locked up. Oh, so okay. So this is where I was mis- mistaken. I'm sorry, guys. The Colts in Indianapolis. Or <laughs> Colts in Indianapolis. Gosh, I'm so sorry. This is really late. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, The Colts and the Titans are playing for the wildcard spot because Houston Texans obviously have won the division. Um, Even with the Sunday loss, the
1: Texans clinched the playoff berth. Um, A loss would leave them. uh, They, well, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. They can win the AFC South because
0: it's still not guaranteed with the Colts. Um, but um, they all they got to do is win Week 17. They're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so I definitely see them taking care of business. Um, a loss, though, would leave them as a wild card entrant uh, with the Colts-Titans game clinching the division. So that's where I was getting things confused. So, um, But I plan on Houston retaining that. Um Baltimore Ravens. Uh suddenly they are in control of the AFC North, like I said. Um that's that was a Saturday night win against Los Angeles really changed momentum and then that loss uh for the Steelers. Um so they will win the division with the victory in week seventeen or a loss by the Steelers will guarantee that they get in the playoffs. Would not have thought um a bank or a Baltimore Ravens Cleveland Browns game in week 17 was going to have so much meaning behind it, as this is really pertinent for the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens them. So they're still not locked. Uh, Los Angeles chargers are hundred percent locked. Um, even though that loss on Saturday hurt their chances to win the AFC West and home field advantage. Um, they still are guaranteed in the playoffs and they will root for the Kansas city chiefs to lose against the Raiders as they go up against Denver Broncos at Denver. Next, Colts. This is the this is the one that's really really hard. So, what has to happen for them to get into the playoffs, to lock that 6th seed is simply win over the Titans and that would guarantee them either the AFC South champion or the 6th seed, guarantee playoffs. For the Tennessee Titans, the path of the Titans is, you know, that opposite of the Colts. They need to win over Indianapolis and they are in as the sixth seed. Now the Steelers have almost no chance to be a wild card team, which is what stinks for them. But it's great for me as a Bengal fan. So their path is basically they have to beat Cincinnati. Obviously we play them next week, which they'll beat us. Um, but the Ravens also has, they have to lose. um, and the only situation that gets them into the playoffs outside of the Ravens losing is if they win and the Colts and Titans tie. So they, that just can't happen. So, but I don't foresee that happening. So that's going to be very interesting, but they have a 17.1% chance of making it in. And I cannot wait to see it as zero as they do not make it. Uh, now flip into the NFC, the Nor, uh, New Orleans saints. As I said, they have guaranteed home field advantage. The Super Bowl uh to the in the n f c will go through New Orleans. That is a lock, no doubt about that. They play the Panthers next week. Los Angeles Rams they are a hundred percent lock as well. um the Bears are one game behind them and win the head to head tiebreaker. so the Rams still need to make sure that they win week seventeen to not fall down another spot in the playoff seating uh they go up against the San Francisco 49ers so i foresee them definitely getting a w. Uh Chicago, Chicago Bears have already won uh their division as well so they are 100% locked. Um they need to win and the Rams to lose obviously you know just flop if they want to move up in seeding but nonetheless they are guaranteed number 3. Um Dallas Cowboys 100% they're locked and they have a chance to move up to the 3 seed if the Bears um lose. But that is not going to happen. So, um, and they have to win, obviously. But they're going to be the four seed ultimately. And it's going to be an interesting matchup against the Giants next week as they try to just maintain their seeding. Um, the Seattle Seahawks are 100% locked in as well. Um, a winner or a loss by the Vikings will lock them in at number five, but a loss combined with a Vikings victory will put them at number six. So, you know, they kind of want to win against the Cardinals, who they play next week, just to maintain their spots, even though they are 100% in. Now, here's the two teams that are on the bubble for the sixth spot in the NFC. The Minnesota Vikings have the largest chance, with 73.8%. All they have to do, since they beat Detroit on Sunday, um, moving into Week 17, They will uh, be alive for the fifth seed and we'll get there with a win combined with the Seattle loss in week 17. But a win altogether will ensure or an equals loss, I should say, will ensure that the Minnesota Vikings get into the playoffs. And again, they're playing against Chicago. Now, the only other team in the NFC that has a chance to threaten the Vikings is the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl champions. Uh, they have a 26.2% chance. They they will need help though. They'll clinch a wild card wild card spot if they win in Week 17 against the Redskins and the Vikings lose. So th- honestly, to me, this is very favorable. I think that the Minnesota Vikings will lose to Chicago, even, even though they're going to be playing their hearts out. And I think that the Redskins can, or I'm sorry, the uh, Eagles can take care of the Redskins and get back into the playoffs. It would be so. So ridiculously crazy that Nick Foles would come in after Carson Wentz gets hurt and get them to the playoffs, and who knows what happens at that point? Because then they'll be playing against, um, I, th- uh, if they're the six seed, they'll uh, I forget who they'll go up against. Uh, either way, this is just madness, and I'm so excited. Playoff time is right around the corner. This is about to be the most exciting part of the year as we start going into, you know, the Super Bowl, the March Madness, all kinds of stuff. So that is everything NFL. Um, That's all that I really wanted to talk about. The show went a little long today, but that's because we had Brian join in. So there's no complaints there. Um, And I also just talked a lot. So. It is getting late, but this is early for you as you guys are listening to this hopefully at 1 o'clock. So I hope everyone has a great Christmas Eve, a great Christmas as well. Spend time with your loved ones. Um, You know, be thankful for things, yada, yada, yada. Happy holidays. Um, You know, and please... Support this uh, podcast any way you can. We're on Anchor, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Obviously, you know that if you're listening to this. But um, on Anchor, which is our main domain, you can donate to us to support us. We'd appreciate any love. Or you can always uh, check out our sponsors, and that helps as well, um, especially Seeky using the code Double Technical for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So I hope everyone has a fantastic holiday. Um, and, uh, I cannot wait to come with you, uh, come talk to y'all on Friday with Michael and with Brian, as we start looking at some of the college bowl games and the NFL playoff matchups, uh, previewing what craziness is about to go down. So everyone have a great day and I'll talk to y'all Friday.